everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody out there? Big Dave and Joe uh, heading into a Thanksgiving weekend. Big, long weekend with a lot of football and a lot of turkey. Uh, what are your plans, Joe? <laughs> well, for the first time since I was a single guy before I got married that I had to go to my family's Thanksgiving and then my wife-to-be's Thanksgiving. Every, every year since we got married, it's been at my house or at my brother-in-law's house. Now my daughter is married, so have to head there for an afternoon early thanksgiving over there because she's got her in-laws coming in then back to my brother-in-laws and you know dave i don't know but when your children grow they're going other places too because of their relationships so this is this is going to be a little different thanksgiving than it has been for me for the last uh 30 plus years well i uh i think i'm getting together with some friends uh i hadn't had any plans you know and it's like sometimes you you wonder about your life when you when you start being alone and uh uh, you know, it it just seems like a lot of friends have parted ways and 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 that sort of thing. But uh, um, you know, I was planning on just sitting home watching football all day and uh, drinking a bottle of wine or something. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's crazy. And and I don't know about anybody else here in the studio, but Thanksgiving, everyone always asks, "What's your favorite holiday?" Thanksgiving was always my favorite because as a young boy, it was always at my house and my aunts would come and help my mom make it and all my cousins that you didn't see for half the year because they lived so far. So for me, Thanksgiving was, has always been a great holiday. Yeah. So like I said, this is going to be strange that I have to go to two different places uh, <laughs> after, not, after being in one place for 30 plus what, years. What are your recollections of the holiday uh, in a po- running a poker room? Was it a big day? Were you open uh, or were you closed for a yeah, while? Well... I'll give, you, I'll give you my best example, Dave, and, and I know you know this because you work there. You remember Miami Highlight, their season officially started almost every year on Christmas night. Right. Okay? And they did the award presentation from the official closing of who was the champion and everybody the else. Season, and yeah. they would do the ceremony, and if you remember, I, it was the only time that, I, the, the first time that I had ever worked at Christmas Day, and I was so upset, you know, I, I really did not want to work Christmas Day. But you know what? You know, that was a huge night. Being of Cuban absolutely des- packed. Being of Cuban descent, you know, we kind of really go wild, hog wild on Christmas Eve, and then after you open the yeah. presents yeah. in the morning, you part that. So by like three, four o'clock, you're kind of burned out already on Christmas yeah. Day. Well, that's exactly the fact. Uh, our family did the same thing as open the presents the night before, and by. Four or five o'clock on Christmas Day, you're looking for something to do. And, and that's what everybody in this town is. And so many places were closed, and I couldn't believe everybody was in such a great spirit. I, I you know, first time seeing the, the, the highlight players running through the crowd, you know, high-fiving the crowd. And, you know, it, it was a beautiful ceremony, which I had never been privy to until I worked at Christmas night. And after that, I looked forward to working yeah. on Christmas nights, and it was a great night in the room always. Well, years ago, we weren't open on Thanksgiving, but uh, we have been recently on, in a lot of the paramutuals. Uh, what are your thoughts about Thanksgiving night? Is people uh, still taking a nap with the trip to family? I don't and all that? remember Thanksgiving night being anything big, not like Christmas, right. you know, and uh, surprisingly, uh, New Year's Eve is is a day that. You know, unfortunately, you get a lot of people who don't who don't have anywhere to go, somebody to be with. So they're in the casino. Um, 
I've never had any, you know, it looked like somebody was, you know, really depressed. Everybody seemed to be having a good time during these holidays. But, you know, New Year's Eve was pretty busy night, surprisingly, because I thought people would be out celebrating it. And like I said, Christmas night. Thanksgiving, most people aren't happy to be there. The workers, yeah, you understand, because that's really a, a you know, a day you wanted to. And when we were open, we'd open early and then close around 5 or 6 o'clock. Right. I don't know if that... that is that's how it was, or the day you, or it used to be uh, always closed? Your, because Highlight ran seasonal yeah, at one right. point. Yeah, and I know their season always, from what people told me, always started on Christmas night. Yeah, that's that was the case for many years. They weren't open Thanksgiving. But uh, uh, what I did want to point out to people here locally in South Florida is it looks like Mardi Gras, the Big Easy Poker Room, is going to reopen uh, December first, which is uh, next week, sometime okay. uh, about a week and a half away, I guess. Uh, can't confirm that officially. They've been pretty tight-lipped because there has been some uh, postponements and delays of reopening. They were expecting to open about two, two and a yeah. half weeks ago at yeah. least. Uh, but the official date that I saw in a story, Nick Sorrell did a story about it, December 1st is the target date now. So uh, we'll get some more information about that. But if you are here in South Florida and you, you've been going to that room, my question to you is, uh, a lot of people went to Dania or even Gulfstream, but uh, do they go back now to their regular room? Yeah, I would say, I, listen, when we used to, when other rooms used to close their rooms, and I'd have dealers coming in because you know, if you remember back in '97 when we opened up the poker room, uh, Magic City, known as Flagler Dog Track back then, right. closed for six months. So their dealers would come, and I'd always hire two or three of them if you know if I had the room. But as soon as Flagler opened up again, they all went back. I know for a fact that at Dania they've hired about three or four of them. But I, I spoke with Omar, uh, the poker room manager there, and he's fully expecting them to all go back. You know, and um, but I have found that you usually do lose probably about three to five percent of your staff. When that happens, uh, especially when you have a delay as long as this has been since the September 9th, 10th till now, you know, you're looking at almost three months that they've been down. So I would imagine they're going to open up with about 85 to 90 percent of the, of the staff that was there. My guess would be after three months, if you've only lost 10 percent of your poker staff, that's not a bad thing because yeah. – I don't know why this is, Dave, and you know, but as a poker room manager, I never noticed it as a dealer or a supervisor, but as a manager handling schedules, you know that in, in, in my years as the manager over there, we would have a turnover rate every three months of about eight to 12 employees from various departments, from dealers, brushes, supervisors. Eight to 12 people would, would be leaving for one reason or another every three months. Right. That's a pretty large number. That's actually that a very large number. Obviously, we'd replace them. And I, like I said, I never noticed that as a dealer because you're, you're, you're just dealing with your schedule and the people that you work with. But it was amazing how that occurred, you know. And uh, so I can't imagine that they're not going to lose at least 10% of their staff. Well, how about uh, customers? Customers, you're gonna, it's, it's going to be about the same. It's going to be about the same. Yeah. You know, your, your loyal customers who constantly go there, you're going to get almost every single one of them back mm -hmm. because they have been cho choosing between – we know that Mardi Gras is a mile away from Gulf Street and, what, three miles away maybe from Dania. So those people 
had a clear-cut choice as to where they wanted to play poker because it, it would have been a five-minute difference drive for them to go to any of the other two uh, casinos right next to uh, Mardi Gras. Right. And I expect them to come back. Now the players that used to play two or three times a week there, Dave, right. they may have found a new place. This is the time. It's It sucks. You know, <laughs> It sucks if you're in the Mardi Gras shoes, you know, but... Other managers, you know, you, you try to do something with the influx of new players that are coming to you that, that were, like I said, the loyal customers that constantly went to Mardi Gras, and you're trying to hold on to them. If you can hold on to, just think about it, you hold on to three, four, five players, that's half a table. And then it becomes much easier to increase your room by one table or two tables more during the day. And believe it or not, those numbers really add up at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, let's move to the uh, results portion of this first part of the show, one of Joe's favorite parts of the show. <laughs> right now. So, but we will get to one you will like uh, later on. Uh, I got a couple of uh, hands I want to look at from Maria Ho. Uh, we, we followed her in the World Series of Poker Europe. A couple of hands from that tournament I want to talk about, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, uh, some comments from Patrick Antonius about the state of today's game. Uh, we'll also look well, at a couple of things. I have not read things. that. I'm curious to hear what he thinks. Uh, but I did want to mention a couple of things. Last week when we were on the show, we were down to the final table at the Montreal uh, World Poker Tour event. And the winner was uh, Maxime Huru. <laughs> I guess is <laughs> Anyway. Dave is putting that thing in there. He's Come a, on, Jim. He's you a, can look at him. He's a local there. <laughs> Huru won 311000 uh, Canadian dollars. Patrick Quinn was second. Derek Walters third. Uh, Eric Afriad, who won a big tournament down here at the Seminole Hard Rock uh, a couple of years ago, is from Montreal as well. He once uh, came in fifth, won seventy three thousand. David Peters knocked out in sixth place, sixty k. Uh, so uh, we're looking at uh, some of the results of that, and uh, basically the winning hand or one of the major hands came when Huru uh, knocked out uh, Derek Walters. Uh, holding pocket sevens, and we'll get to that with Maria Hohan later, but uh, uh, holding pocket sevens against ace-king offsuit, and uh, the board sometimes will uh, pair you up, and sometimes they won't. It did not in this case. Yeah, yeah, that's that, you get, you're in a toss-up right there, and uh, so he had the pocket sevens. Yeah. I would the, the, I would imagine either the board didn't run out yeah, with an was, ace or a king, right? And it's funny because it was... Uh, Queen Jack nine on the flop. So, all so of a now, sudden there's now a he had out now he had ten outs. Yeah, there's a lot of outs there, and uh, uh, finished up with a couple of deuces on the uh, turn and river. So uh, Haru had a four to one chip lead uh, going into head to head play with Quinn, and uh, the battle only lasted 15 hands. Uh, eventually, uh, Quinn got all in on a flop of uh, six five four. He was holding nine seven. Offsuit and uh, Huru was holding uh, four deuce and did make the call and uh, picked up a deuce on the on the turn and a deuce on the river as well. (laughs) So he he filled up there. Yeah, yeah. But when your head's up on a flop like that, you hit a four, even though it's the bottom pair. You know, you got to believe you're good at that point. Yeah, exactly. So that was the results uh, of Montreal. Didn't want to mention a couple other events uh, locally here. Uh, we had the uh, uh, the first event of the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open over at the Seminole Hard Rock. The uh, winner was uh, Francois Zayez uh, from Miami Springs. 
Uh, picked up over a hundred thousand, pretty good value of this tournament, I would say, three hundred sixty dollar buy-in. And he picked up a hundred thousand. And you had seven players with the chop making over fifty grand. Wow, that's that's, that's outstanding. Good. And that uh, says a lot about the uh, the yeah. the property as well. Uh, Daniel Taylor was second. Song O from Tampa was third. Benjamin Miner fourth. Brandon Agaloff, who we've had on the show from Coconut Creek, was fifth. And Richard Trippenzi was sixth. Pasquale Cayaza from Davy was seventh. But uh, 52000 for Cayaza in seventh place on the chop. Francois Zayas, 107K. So uh, pretty nice for a $360 yeah, yeah, tournament. Yeah. Now, you know of course, they I had eight opening sessions, exactly. 30, over 3,500 players. Well, listen, for 360 to to earn, what was it, a million-dollar guarantee? Uh, I think it was half a million. Half a million. You know, that's... That's a lot of players you got to get to go to that, to, to, that, to that tournament. The chip counts, by the way, when they made the uh, when they made the chop, where uh, Zayas was the chip leader, thirteen point nine million, and uh, the seventh place player had three point seven. So playable stacks, and it could have gone on for a long time. So uh, after a long tournament, I'm sure they were ready to split the money. Yeah, and and especially since you know I I, I don't recall, but I would imagine you know seventh place. Was nowhere near a $50,000 chop. Right. You know, price pool. And you're happy to take that at that point because you know that these guys are all above you and could knock you out. And now you go from 50000 to whatever it would have been nine, ten, eleven thousand. 11000 Absolutely. Uh, the other one thing I wanted to look at was Planet Hollywood hosted the uh, WSOP Circuit event. And they just finished up. The winner from Mexico was Fernando Galvan. Uh, he won the main event, which was a million-dollar guarantee. Picked up 247000 for first place. Corey Hockman was second. Chris Pham was third. Uh, the big story coming out of this one, though, was Ar- Arkady Sinis, who is from uh, the Ukraine originally, but lives here in Miami. He's been here in Miami for quite some time. He's known as one of the world's finest backgammon players. Uh, he does have, I know, at least one World Series of Poker bracelet. bracelet. Uh, maybe two, I'm not sure exactly, but he won three rings at Planet Hollywood. Wow. 14 events, he won three of them. Oh, he's, he's pretty, actually, pretty good, huh? That's, that's impressive. That's pretty impressive yeah. to win three rings. I mean, not huge tournaments. One was uh, uh, just 219 entries, he won 16 grand, but uh, it's the titles really that count. Uh, oh. one, was a, one was a uh, tag team, uh, one with Daniel Mogavero. <laughs> Well, listen, I have a standard line when I hear people say, when, when I hear people say, oh, but there was only 200 or 300 or 400, you know, to win it. I go, listen, that's hard to win. And from a league of their own, you know, if if it was easy, everybody would be winning tournaments. So that's impressive to win three three titles yeah, there, absolutely. no matter the field. Absolutely. Uh, so they will move on uh, to the next event, which is at Harris Cherokee in North Carolina. And uh, from there, they'll go on to back to Los Angeles and play at the bike, uh, the bicycle casino in Los Angeles. And that will close out the year for the circuit, uh, Choctaw Durant, first event uh, of 2018. And down the road uh, at the end of February, we'll be following the one here in town at that, the that Coconut to, Creek. That used to be at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Exactly. But uh, this year, uh, February 8th through the 19th, the Seminole Casino Coconut Creek will be hosting their first Really major national scope tournament, and uh, certainly looking forward to seeing you, how they handle that. Uh, Pablo Perez, uh, yeah. your good friend of yours, uh, runs the room. Many year, twenty plus years ago. Right. Um, 
you know what I'd like to do, Big Dave, and I don't know if you can mark that down there, um, is this is the first year that Palm Beach Kennel Club isn't going to have, you know, the WPT up there. I'd like to see a comparison. I'm, well, what I want to no, – not that. What I want to compare is last year's uh, fiscal numbers for the month of February oh, yeah. – to at the end of February. Uh, so unfortunately, we, won't we probably know. can't do that till like April. Uh, well, they're supposed to be posted by March fifteenth, but for February. But but well, <laughs> it usually comes if it's not exactly on the fifteenth of the month. It'll it usually falls within three or four days of that time. At worst case scenario, at the end of March, we'll know February's numbers. Yeah. And I'd love to see the drop off because I know what it was. I remember discussing it on the air, what their number were. They were always close to a million dollars every month, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little bit more, you know, 980, a million two, a million one. And I remember when they hosted their first WPT, and remember, that's a short month. The whole February is always, you're, you're losing two to three days of, 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 of revenue. Right. And they they wound up doubling their take. So I want to see if it goes back to, you know, to the numbers that, that they have been having uh, on their regular months. Because okay, well, remind, remind me in March. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a curious scenario for us to see because somehow they made a decision. You know, it had to be a mutual decision between yeah. both of them, especially with the investment that uh, Palm Beach had to put into and, this. And it's interesting to see what the impact would be. Also, what the impact would be on the tournament, whether when you go, uh, since they have pretty much the same events, what the numbers of the turnout would be different from there. Unfortunately, we're never going to see those numbers because it's at the Coconut Creek. Well, we'll see uh, how many entries are in each tournament. We will, but we, we, won't, know, we won't know because, remember, uh, you and I were up there, remember, for, right. the, for the, um, um, the horse tournament. Their numbers, yeah, you're making your money on those tournament entry fees, but for the Palm Beach Kennel Club, you know, the, the drop... Right, it's the big thing. So well, yeah, I'm, we'll not, I'm not worried about the drop. I'm worried about the number of players in the tournaments. Yeah, but you, <laughs> I I know that's what you look at. But you know, like I'm saying, when they, when all these businesses decide that they want to bring in these big tournaments, you know, you, you have to look at yeah. how how much is it how you know how good is it going to affect your cash tables. Yeah, well, because we that's where you're know, making your I know, money. I know we can't compare so that. So Coconut Creek. Although we you can't. do know Pablo, you might be able to get some numbers from him. I seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't spoken to him in quite a while, but I seriously doubt he wants to give any out those numbers. Okay, well let's take our first break in the show. When we come back, we'll uh, take a look at uh, a couple of hands played by Maria Ho that I thought were very interesting. Uh, also, uh, a couple of other things we'll look at, including the Patrick uh, Antonius comments. And uh, a couple other things coming up. A new event coming up at the Aria in February that will be on Poker Go. Uh, looking forward to because it includes some high limit uh, mixed games, which we don't see very often at all. So we'll talk about that as well when we get back. Uh, fe- December 5th through the 10th, the next big event on the WPT, and that's out at the uh, in the Vegas at the Five Star uh, event. That uh, it's always a big one out there. Anyway, let's take a break here on the show. We'll be back with more when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. 
Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Look at all the cars. Lots of colored cars. Now there's a blue one. Isn't it pretty? Ooh, look how fast that red one's going. It's red like that stop sign. Like my jacket. This is a 38-year-old man. My jacket's not a car, is it? Is my jacket a car? My jacket is red, but it doesn't go fast. He may sound a little strange to you and me. But to his two-year-old son, who's interested in cars and colors, he makes perfect sense. That's the sound cars make. When you talk with your child, you build vocabulary. And learning starts long before school does. So follow their lead. Take simple everyday moments, like eating dinner or just watching cars go by, and turn them into learning moments. Ooh, look, red car. Yes, and it's moving awfully fast. Blue car. Yes, the man in the red car is about to meet the man in the blue car. Get himself a pretty pink ticket. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. For more tips, go to bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. By the way, uh, I mentioned uh, the event coming up uh, on the WPT. I did not mention that it is at the Bellagio. It's the Five Diamond Classic. It used to be called the Doyle Brunson Five Diamond, I think, until uh, they took his name off. <laughs> Well, his name may, when if they took it off, it might have been when he had his association with America's uh, card room, which was actually Doyle's room when yeah, it first started. exactly. Took his name off that pretty quick. Yeah, he took that real quick off of there. Uh, I did want to mention this uh, U.S. Poker Open. Looking forward to it. And, in fact, uh, I'm working on putting together a show, uh, probably have Corey Zeidman on, a uh, good friend of the show for quite some time. Corey, of course, a stud expert. Uh, but hosts a game that uh, is played over at Coconut Creek Casino uh, in their special glassed-in room. And they had two tables going. I, I, he invited me last week, and we came back by and looked at that. I think I mentioned it. But uh, that was where I first heard about the game Archie. Anyway, uh, uh, that's included in the set of uh, games over there. And I want to talk to him about that. He has some businessmen that come in to play the game. Uh, a couple of uh, November Niners uh we had uh, Jerry Wong and Josh Beckley were there last week, and then a big, bunch of other uh, big name players here from town well, here. Well, so. yeah, that's that's the mix that you kind of need because of the stake, you know, the high limit that they're playing. They play ten game mix. You uh, know, but, I but, think but their betting structure is what is it? One hundred, two hundred? Is their blind? One hundred, two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you're, you're betting two four. You know, it's, it's like I said. You need people with deep pockets for this thing, and, and you definitely need your businessmen who think that they can gamble with the, with the top pros to kind of feed the game. So it uh, makes it very interesting. Anyway, looking forward to this uh, U.S. Poker Open, uh, which will be played at the Aria in Las Vegas. Uh, there will be uh, eight different events, uh, several uh, no-limit games ranging from $10,000 buy-in to 25000 The main event is a 50K buy-in. Uh, but they have a mixed game championship, which is $25,000, and a $10,000 PLO. So uh, I like to see that. You know, you do see occasional games like that in the World Series of Poker. Usually 10000 is the biggest. Uh, but you, outside of uh, the, the series, you don't see uh, big games like that. At some of the local events, like here at the Hard Rock, they have a PLO. I think it's a 360 or something like that, maybe a 580. But you never see the kind of high-limit games, and this is going to be televised on Poker Go. So uh, 
it's it's going to you know attract a lot of big name players. Uh, Negrano has already always already said he's going to be there, and uh, bunch of, you you got to figure that Phil Hellmuth will play and and some of the big names out there. So should be very interesting, uh, and uh, really looking forward to that twenty five thousand mixed game. Yeah, that's that's that is going to be very interesting. And uh, did they put the list? Is this a dealer's choice or do they no. a rotation? No, I guess it'll be a rotation. Uh, play the usual uh, eight game mix. Uh, which is uh, no limit hold'em, obviously. Limit hold'em, Raz, Stud, Stud High-Low, Omaha, High-Low, PLO, and do seven triple draw. Okay, so so you got the five from Horse plus uh, the PLO, um, you know, the, the, the do seven. Do seven and Raz. And, ra- and well, well, Raz, Raz, no, is, Raz part is part of, part of horse. horse. Right. So... Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll check that out. Anyway, uh, the main event kicks off on February 9th. The whole schedule is listed uh, starting. It starts on February 1st, by the way. And then uh, February 9th through the 11th will be the main event. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Looking forward to seeing what happens out there. Uh, let's get to a couple of hands here. Uh, we talked a lot about Maria Ho. And obviously, you know, I was pulling for She's been on the show a couple times. She's been very kind with her time. I interviewed her. Uh, last August over at the Hard Rock, and, and we used that interview on the show. I can remember talking to her, I guess it was back in 2012 at the World Series in the hallway, and uh, she's very nice and, and uh, really has risen to the top of her profession, not only as a player, but as a broadcaster and a, and a hostess. Yeah, she's extremely talented and, and, and not just in playing poker anymore. But I wanted to talk about a couple of hands because there was a great article on Poker News uh, by Mo Nuara who uh, discussed this hand. Uh, this was over at World Series Poker Europe in uh, the Czech Republic, and she was uh, playing Michael Marekis, uh who was one of the chip leaders at the time, had about a million chips. They were The blinds were 4000 8000 with a $1,000 ante. And uh, Marekis uh, raised from uh, middle position with ace-4 offsuit. Kind of a standard type hand, I guess, but a great analysis of what, People might be thinking. Okay, so, so she I, I, I don't really. I'm not really a person to evaluate hands, but when someone writes it up for me, I can at least lead <laughs> you into some comments. Okay, so wait, let me get this straight. She was in mid position and took a raise with an ace four. Exactly. Now we're okay. on day three of the event, by the way. So uh, you know, moving along, eliminating a lot of people. Uh, so um, Marikas uh, raises to eighteen thousand from middle position, ace four offsuit. Uh, Maria has pocket sevens and calls from the small blind. Uh, she has a stack of about uh, 350,000. Uh, so heads up, uh, pocket they go to the flop. Maria Ho, we don't know what her opponent has. No, he has the ace four. Oh, I'm sorry. He's the. I'm sorry. You're right. He's the one who raised with the ace four. Right. right. So the flop is three of diamonds, deuce of spades, five of hearts. Oh wow! He hit the. He hit so the, he flops he, the, the. He hit the, the, the wheel. The wheel. Uh, so uh, she uh, or he checks or no she checks, he he calls. No no how no, can he it. check and call? No whole ho check called. Let's put it okay. That way. There we go. Okay he bet. Um, or he bet fourteen thousand. She she uh, called after checking first, uh, and seven of spades comes on the turn. 
This then, is going to get very interesting because all the money could get in there after this turn card. Exactly. Uh, so Maria bets uh, thirty-six thousand. Marikas uh, makes it uh, uh, three times uh, the, the raise, three uh, x raise uh, to one hundred eight. She comes over the top. And, no, she called, and okay. uh, so both players then checked the river, which was the eight of spades. So all of a sudden now there's three spades on the board, and this can be a very interesting hand in a lot of ways. So the wheel, all of a sudden. Uh, kind of slows down a little bit, but uh, he does take the hand, uh, as it turns out, since they both checked the river. Uh, and here's some of the analysis here. Uh, as Mo puts it, uh, Marekas uh, had a pretty weak hand to start out with, but uh, when you got chips, you sometimes you want to give it a shot, and ace rag is, is fine when you're in that sort of position. Uh, the, he said the interesting call to him was Maria's uh, decision to call with the sevens uh, in the big blind. Uh, a tricky spot, he says, because of her stack size around 45 big blinds. And even with some of the large three-bet shoves we're seeing nowadays, this is just way too many chips to ship in there with sevens. That leaves the options calling, folding, or three-betting small. None of those feels really great. Uh, can you really fold sevens to an opening range that you're clearly well ahead of? And from a chip leader who who could have been raising with any two cards. Exactly. Uh, so uh, calling is tough too. He says three small, three betting small is nice because you can likely knock out the big blind. But then what happens uh, post flop? You got a middle pair, and if your opponent peels, it's going to be very tough to play out of position on any board that doesn't contain a seven. But guess what? He caught a miracle flop. She caught a very good flop, right? Because it was uh, five high. The flop was right. two, three, five. Right. All right. So. She's got to be thinking, if he raised me with ace-king, ace-queen, you know, I still got the lead on him. I don't know where he's going with this story, but I got my own take on, on okay. how this hand played out. Okay, he says that calling seems like the best choice, uh, even though it's going to be tricky no matter what. Uh, the hand plays out. She flops the uh, over pair, basically, because right. she didn't get anything. Uh, and uh, she check calls a bet, simple and standard, he says. On the turn, the the spot uh, gets interesting as Ho opts to lead out with the set. Uh, certainly not standard, he said, but I am a fran uh, fan of these turn leads in general in situations where you either turn a strong hand or a backdoor draw and you expect your opponent to check back. Would check raising be better, he says. Uh, it all depends on your opponent. Uh, if he's going to keep barreling, you're going to build a bigger pot in most cases by checking. Meanwhile, if it's a small ball type player, betting will do more good. So as it was played, the pot's going to be massive no matter what. And uh, since Marekas flopped the wheel and raised, Maria still figures she has the, the virtual nuts and has to decide whether to jam the rest now or wait and see what happens on That's the river. That's the comment I made to you right before you right. started telling right. us. I said... Oh, they may have gotten it all in on the turn. So, go ahead. He says he leads more toward jamming here for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, uh, Marekas has an overpair or a stronger hair, uh, hand like uh, a lesser set with a deuce four or, or the deuce three or, or five. Uh, there's no guarantee the rest of the money will go in on the river. He might check back even a dead river card, and there are a lot of action-freezing cards that so can come. So he's thinking that Maria Ho should have jammed the pot on the turn. Right. Okay. Uh, he said aces, fours, or sixes, you know, make uh, four to a straight, and if it's a spade, it makes three to a flush. However, you believe, if you believe your opponent is weak in drawing, he said the only way to get more money into the pot is just call and hope to induce a bluff on the river. Okay, that's how he ends it? No. Uh, didn't explain exactly what happened. She decides to call and uh, leaves her with less than a pot-sized bet behind. The spade comes in. Uh, both players checked. 
Uh, Ho naturally has to be worried about a possible flush, and jamming might chase away Marekas' weaker hands. Should Marekas be shoving for value, though, he says. Um, he says, looking at Ho's stack size, it's hard to imagine her not shoving the river if she'd made a flush, but she didn't. And she has just over 200000 Checking the river is just letting your opponent see a free showdown if you get there. Uh, Marekas beats everything besides the flush, but Ho's turn likely... Uh, had him befuddled as he tanked for a while before making the play, and he had to figure the seven may have improved her somehow. Maybe he figured something like ace five suited uh, spades. Yeah, could exactly. Have made sense. Exactly, and and they both checked the river, and both players checked the river. Right. And the the interesting part of this 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 hand is how the how the turn was played. Right. You understand? Either Maria Ho had a great read on him. Okay. And this will tell you what a great opponent, what a great poker player she was, or she got lucky that she decided not to shove to indicate how strong her hand was that she had hit a set. I mean, most people would figure. I know, I know, I would have figured my set is crushing him right now. Right. And it was the opposite. She was, she was and being she shoved. Crushed. She's probably out she's of the being tournament. Crushed. So she comes out betting. He takes what, like a three-time size raise on her bet. And she smooth calls it, which a lot of top pros would have done because she could have been indicating she was trying to steal the pot. Obviously, we know because of his hand, he's not going anywhere. Right. And if she had shoved, he would have snap called that, and her, and her tournament life would have been over. Um, I don't know why he's, you know, uh, criticizing. It's not criticizing. He was criticizing why she didn't three bet there. Right. And I think it was the fact that she was trying to set him up for the river. Right. Would be my guess. You know, I don't know if he spoke to her or not, but that would have no, been my guess. Being with the two spades that come up on the on the on the turn with with the seven of spades, and then the eight of spades hitting on on the river, she checked, and I guarantee you, I think she would have called just about any size bet. That where, where I agree with this gentleman is that the um, uh, the gentleman who was leading should have taken a value bet. If he had bet put out sixty, seventy, eighty thousand with a set. You know, and you can't picture this guy hit runner runner for for flush. I I I can't see her not calling that right, bet. Right. You know, so in essence, she lost the hand, but she lost what I think is probably the bare minimum <laughs> in that particular hand. Yeah, exactly. And, and her opponent on the flip side won the bare minimum. Right. He should have won more money. Yeah, that's his final line here. He says, regardless, he has to be kicking himself at showdown when he saw how hard he'd coolered his opponent, only for her to preserve more than half her chips. There you see, there you. Before you finish that statement, that's what I was just telling you. And uh, he says it's not something he usually does in his writing, but uh, he said there were so many interesting decisions on both sides. He said that it's also a hand that could have ended very differently if either player had chosen a different line on any of those streets. Yeah, I'm telling you, that was... Uh, that, uh, it reminded me of how, and I'm trying to remember. I know it was in the and the, the Bahamas when they used to have uh, the. Remember that January tournament? Yeah, the PCA. Which the is PC, still around. It's still <laughs> around, right? But do you remember there was a guy who was running Ramshaw? We even spoke oh, about uh, it. Oliver, I think. Oliver, his name was. Chris yeah. Oliver. Okay, and then he ran up against a kid from San Francisco. Yeah, Garrett something. And he that they played our hand that almost everyone I spoke to except my brother told me. When I told them the scenario and I read out the whole scenario, almost every poker player that I respect that I gave that to would have lost all their chips. Would have lost all their chips because of the hand that this gentleman had in his similar. It was a wheel. 
but it came runner, deuce and ace, which gave that guy Oliver a full house. And I don't remember how the cards played out, but when the when um, when the deuce when the deuce uh, I'm sorry when the ace hit on the turn, it gave the the that kid the full house. I mean the straight. The other one only had two pairs, mm-hmm. and then then the deuce paired uh, on the river, and again. He only he lost bare minimum, and I believe that if his opponent had shoved there, he would have made that call. And even though they interviewed him afterwards, and he goes, if he shoves, I can't call him because the only hand he could have is a full house to beat me. Right. So, you know, it just shows you the different level yeah, of thinking that absolutely. you've got to get to when you're playing th- this level of poker. Okay. Uh, one more hand I want to get to. Let's take a quick break, though. We'll come back and talk about the other one with Maria. Remember, she made the final table. She did get knocked out uh, in a double elimination. Just to me what, I mean, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't uh, convinced before that, the way she played this hand, it proves to me, you know, that she's incredibly intelligent, and yeah. I don't know what she Good figured player. out that she didn't push on the, on the turn, which saved her tournament life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back. We'll get back to some more analysis when we can return. Uh, don't forget, you can always pick us up on our website or on SoundCloud, a good place. We'll talk about some of the other places you can get the show. But we'll be back uh, to continue when we return. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. 
Welcome back to the show. Big David Joe here from South Florida on the eve of Thanksgiving. And a big football day tomorrow, obviously, and a lot of stuff going on. I don't know if it's a big poker day, really, here in South Florida, but the uh, Seminole Hard Rock is hosting the Rock and Roll Poker Open. Joe asked me during the break, uh, since it's a tournament he was interested in playing in, who won the seniors? That was event three. Uh, Scott Zackheim, who's a very good local player and uh, has been around for a while, won the $300 buy-in seniors tournament and won uh, $6,262. Uh, defeated uh, Konstantinos Liapis and Jeff Duval, who split uh, 5,000, had 5,000 each. I guess there's some sort of three-way chop there. Uh, I know that uh, Neil Blumenfield was in the field and cashed in ninth place. And Paul Balzano, who's been playing very well lately, finished 12th. So that was the seniors event. Yeah, he might have finished outside the money in 12th, or was that the... No, 12th got some money. uh, They paid 14 spots. 14 spots. All right. So uh, that was event number three, and right now uh, they are finishing down on uh, other events. Uh, I guess event number six, I believe, is being played right now, which is a 570 deep stack. They had 633 players in that one, and they're down to 27 players. Uh, Blumenfeld just got knocked out of that one as well in 28th place. Uh, Chip leader is Brett Bader. Uh, Ori Hen is uh, seventh right now. Luis Santoni, Rafael Reese, uh, also in the top ten. Aaron Massey just got knocked out. Uh, Tony Roberto also. And uh, let's see, any other names here that just got knocked out that I'm familiar with? Darren Stabinski, also a very good player, uh, also just recently got knocked out of that one. So uh, that's the results there. But I do want to get back to the Southern Maria Hohan because it came later in the tournament, and we did mention that she made the final table. So... Um, this one, actually, she talked about with uh, Martin Harris, uh, interviewed about the field. Uh, this was the main event of the World Series of Poker, and this was on day four. And you remember this hand that she just had that was pretty interesting. Uh, she was at the feature table, and blinds were up to 8,000, 16,000. Now, this is in the same tournament, 2000 Annie. Uh, some big names in the event. Reiner Kempe opened with a raise of 34,000 from a hijack seat. Uh, Kristen Bicknell on the button called, and um, the action moved to Neil Farrell, who started with uh, 1.1 million in the small blind. He squeezed by betting to 152k. Maria was in the big blind, started the hand with 926,000, and had pocket tens, uh, two, uh, di- ten of diamonds, ten of clubs. Uh, she checked with Farrell on how much he had behind, and realized he had the bigger stack, had her covered. She said, uh, she commented about the hand, I think that's deep enough to play on that hand as a call. I think you could also four-bet it as well. Uh, All four players in the hand had above-average chips, just to note that. Uh, Ho called, as uh, did Kempe and McNell. That made the pot 624,000. The flop came down 10 of hearts, 7 of hearts, jack of hearts. So this is always a a good and a bad This is a good and a bad flop for her. Exactly. Uh, you know, obviously leaves the flush out there on the board and, the and a possible straight as well. So uh, Farrell paused, then led in, in an all-in uh, with just over the million he had left, uh, meaning Ho had to remain in the hand. She had to commit all of her stack. She said, in that spot, I know that Neil has either aces with the ace of hearts or ace-king with the ace of hearts. Right. So she knows she's 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 got a lead on him, but, you know... She's going to have to fade some out. Right. 
so I think she would have made that call. So, so even if it, she says, even if it got heads up between Neil and I, he's going to have almost 50% equity. Uh, she said, depending on exactly what's handed, anywhere from 40 to 48%. Uh, the other two players decided to uh, fold. Okay. And she folded. She did. Yeah. And as it turned out, he had ace of hearts, king of clubs. So he was drawn. So she was right on the way. Uh, drawing to both the... The flush, the nut flush, and the straight. Right. And uh, as it turned out, Kempe had pocket nines, and Bicknell had ace-jack, uh, ace of clubs, jack of spades. So, well, the ace-jack, ace you could have seen maybe making that call, thinking that this guy was pushing an ace-king. You know, she sold herself, I'm believing, that the gentleman, and with him going all in, it's it's easy to, you know... You don't you don't think he's got the flush, but he's got like pocket aces or an ace came with the with the with the ace of hearts, and right. she you know diagnosed the hand perfectly. I mean, she's, she she would have stayed in; she still could have won the hand. Well, she was the leader, and I think and I think that you know you would have been looking at four queens, which one of them would have been the heart, okay? And then you're looking at what? How many other hearts left? There was two. She had two, four, seven. You're looking at eight, eight, twelve cards. I think it was twelve cards that, that, would have, would that, have, that, that she would have given her. I mean, would have given him the the win. Excuse me. Right. So, um, because if it comes runner, runner, aces or kings, he's got the full house to her set. I don't know. You know, yeah. it's it's a tough call at that point. Now you've got enough chips. That's why she's such a great player. Yeah. You have enough chips that you go. I don't need to put myself. In at best, a slight edge over a coin toss. Right, and especially since, you know, there's four players in the hand that all have pretty good chip stacks, and he has her covered. So that's her tournament now, life in the line. Now, I, what I would have asked her as the, as, the, as the writer of that story is, Maria, would it have been a different, would it have been differently if you were sitting with three, four hundred thousand instead of eight hundred thousand that she was probably sitting with after the, 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 right. the, the pre-flop uh, call? And I, th- I think I would imagine if she had three, three fifty, four hundred thousand, he pushes all in. I would imagine she would have taken that shot. Well, they did ask her uh, about the criticism that some people say, uh, "What are you doing, uh, folding, uh, you know, a set of tens in that uh, situation?" She said, "I felt like I was making the best decision given all the factors I had to consider, and not everybody has the knowledge of those factors as I did." Exactly, and guess what? We found out for a fact that he had the hand, one of the two hands that she put that him she on. That she called, yeah. That she put him on. So she she made the right decision based on the way she felt at that time, you know. And um, again, it, how do you criticize someone who's had the success that Maria Ho has had? You know, it's um, hey, you know, so, sometimes like they say, sometimes you got to fold some winners to win, you know. Right. So that's that's just I. I couldn't criticize her either way that she did there, but by the way she described it and the way she analyzed the hand, she, you know, she, she did it perfectly. Yeah. She did it perfectly. Uh, let's move on to that Patrick Antonio story. Uh, for those of you that are kind of new to the game and maybe aren't that familiar, he was one of the huge big names uh, back in the uh, full tilt days, and, and uh, Norman Chad used to fawn over him uh, for his uh, good looks and, 
And, of course, a lot of uh, women uh, were completely in love with this guy. Uh, hasn't been around as much since the full tilt scandal broke, but uh, still back playing a little bit here and there. Uh, Gus Hansen also uh, back playing. And he also, I don't know if he still is, but but, but by winning the, the, the big one for one drop, became the, the most, uh, the, the, the biggest tournament winner at that time. Was it Patrick? Uh, uh, no, that was uh, oh, Antonio. Oh, I am. I apologize. I got the two people mixed up. I'm but, sorry. It, but Patrick Antonius was everywhere on all those TV games, the big game, uh, Poker After Dark. Yes, uh, he was. All those huge games. And was a big part, but uh, kind of got out of it because he was a little bit involved, I guess, in the Full Tilt crew. But uh, he's back playing again, and he played at World Series of Poker Europe at the uh, King's Casino in Rosvedov. And uh, they interviewed him. He doesn't do many interviews, but uh, had some questions about the game. And he says, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of the way poker has evolved, how people slow the game down, and it's a bit less gambling and less fun nowadays. I think people take it a little too serious, in my opinion. Uh, he wants to bring the fun back to the game or the social elements and believes the shot clock is, is really what can solve a lot of the problems. Uh, he said it's going to be needed in the future because it's really painful nowadays to play in a tournament. He said this is a snowball effect because one or two players start slowing down and suddenly everybody's doing the same thing on the table. He talked about the table he had in the uh, high roller for one drop in Rosvedov. said they had a great game going. Everyone was playing with a very good rhythm. Nobody was really taking a lot of time unless there was a big decision. But after the dinner break, one or two new players came to the table and suddenly every hand was five to seven minutes. A couple of players started to play slow. Everybody started to copy. Uh, he said, it's modern poker, but I don't think it's good for poker. It's uh, not good for the game or for the people. This is an enjoyable game. Everybody starts to play because it's fun, and you're trying to make money, but it has become a little too serious, I think. Buddy, I, I, I couldn't have written that any better if I had tried. I, can, I, I agree 100% with everything that he said there. And I, I would imagine 95% of the poker population agrees with that shot clock. Yeah, we've, absolutely. We've preached that subject before, you know, and uh, I think that people should be given two minutes of time, okay, for the first so how many hours, and, and the clock starts. After, 15, uh, after 20 seconds, if you haven't acted on your hand, you're forced to fold unless you ask for more time. Yeah. I think uh, when players speak up, I think they can get some things accomplished. Uh, Stefan Sondheimer, who was the big breakout player at the Poker Masters earlier this year, said uh, we have to have shot clocks in any high roller tournament. This tanking is killing the game. And uh, Daniel Negreanu responded, preach, brother, preach. There you go. Exactly. You know, top pros don't, again, you know, maybe you hit the final table and you get and you get a five-minute clock. You keep updating it as the, as the tournament goes a little deeper, but as soon as it hits 20 seconds, you start losing time off off of your off your clock. And once you're at zero, you've got 20 second every hand to make a move or it's a fold. Yeah, I mean that's one way I would handle it. Uh, Bill Perkins, who plays in a lot of these high roller events, he's a, a businessman, not a really a professional, but. Uh, uh, and not the greatest player, in my opinion, in the world. But uh, uh, Bill Perkins is a guy who, uh, you know, you see at a lot of these high roller events, and he pledged that he wouldn't play in any high roller tournaments that do not have a shot clock. He says it's a, it's a peaceful protest. He said, I hope others will join. And, uh, you know, the point is, in these tournaments, uh, where you may have anywhere from 20 to, uh, you know, 90 or 100 people, uh, no more than that usually, uh, 
you know, it, it, it basically depends on the support of these same players who play all these tournaments. So uh, when someone gets on here and kind of leads a little bit of a protest, I think it has a huge effect uh, on the future of the game, yeah, which is a good thing. And I keep forgetting who, uh, was it Matt, uh, who brought in the, the, the tournament in California for fun, that no yeah, cell phones uh, and Matt all that? Matt Savage. Yeah. Matt Savage. You know, I think what Patrick said and what Matt Savage, you know, did with that tournament, that would be a real nice trend if we could start heading towards that thing because it is frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating to watch on TV, and people have been trying to grow this this game or sport, you know, for TV or for sponsors. And with the delays like this, I can't see anybody, any any major sponsor stepping up to it. To and, and of course, we talked about it that uh, Matt Savage is uh, the tournament director for the uh, WPT, and they're bringing in. Uh, the shot clock for the later levels of the uh, the main tour events this season. Uh, it's not yet standard, obviously, in the industry, but uh, if you've got the question out there, should an action clock become a standard, uh, certainly the high-stakes players are all for it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near a high-stakes player, and I'm for it. So, uh, One other thing I want to mention before we go to our last break, uh, there's a book coming out, uh, I guess, in the spring uh, that I'm looking forward to. You don't see a whole lot of poker uh, novels, uh, you know, uh, fiction out there, but a great group of uh, fictional stories is going to be uh, put together in a book coming out, uh, and the name of it is uh, He Played for His Wife and Other Stories, Short Stories of Long Nights at the Poker Table. <laughs> and two of the people that wrote in the book, uh, poker players, Jennifer Tilly and Barney Boatman, who is a well-known player from Great Britain. Uh, also uh, have some other players, some award-winning writers, including uh, Patrick Marber, Carol Ann Duffy, and Neil Pearson. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, sounds like a pretty interesting book, but I just wanted to read quickly the uh, uh, coming out from the uh, publisher, who uh, has a uh, brief synopsis on what to look for here. And here's the way they put it. Uh, a ghost at the table, a heads-up with Shakespeare, a high-stakes stick-up, a hand played on death row, tales of pioneers and knaves, even a celestial argy-bargy. Each story in this anthology reveals that when it comes to playing poker, no one can hide from their true selves. Uh, whoever you are, you can be sure all your passions and compulsions, your desires, your foibles, and idiosyncrasies will be unsparingly crystallized and exposed on the felt. <laughs> that's How's pretty that? good. I like that. <laughs> nice writing. Anyway, uh, that's enough to get me to be interested in the book. Uh, certainly pick up a lot of things about poker, but I don't get to read a lot of uh, uh, fiction, and uh, obviously based on true events a lot of times, but uh, we'll see what uh, how far they stretch things. Very good. That's, that sounds like the, all those little chapters are outstanding, the titles for them. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Uh, we'll check that out uh, after the first of the year, and we will check out our final uh segment of the program when we return you're listening to poker action line don't forget we mentioned soundcloud but there's several other places where you can pick up the show on a regular basis you can go to our website pokeractionline.com also you can go to the poker fuse podcast page go to stitcher.com and pick it up there or uh, maybe one of the best places is hold'em radio network hold'emradio.com has a regular uh, spot for us every week and carry our show, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, we'll be back. We will we'll finish things up when we return, heading toward Thanksgiving. Uh, Got to get home and make that dressing, that stuffing. <laughs> uh, we'll be back after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Yeah, like 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, with Thanksgiving tomorrow, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yes, sir. What? Are you thankful for, and I know it's easy to respond to their family and all that kind of thing and, uh, you know, uh, the cranberry sauce and all that sort of stuff, but what is what are you thankful for in the world of poker? In the world of poker, I'm thankful that the game has gotten to the stage that we're at, even though in Patrick's uh, column that you read, uh, you know, it isn't as fun as it used to be, but for someone who's made a very good living off of this as a dealer, manager, supervisor, even as a player early on, I'm grateful that the game of poker has grown. I'm glad that we didn't see any ill effects of uh, you know, the DOJ's uh, scenario six, seven years ago. Uh, and prior to that, uh, in 2006, when party poker left. And I honestly believe that you know, it's obviously a little longer than we would want to, but we're eventually going to get internet poker, and poker is going to grow to the level that it needs to grow to. And if it had not grown to this level, Dave, a lot of people would be out jobs. So I'm very grateful for all you know my my coworkers, all the people that I have trained over the years that they're still able to make a good living at this game. And I'm so happy that it's allowed me to be with you, Geo Joe doing this show once a week. Absolutely. Uh, I'm thankful for Pennsylvania passing the online bill and, and making the next step to uh, to uh, bring it to other states. I think uh, it's something we've hoped for for a long time, and we'll see what happens, uh, what the path forward is. It's still going to be 9 to 12 months before uh, Pennsylvania actually is able to play. Uh, it doesn't affect me really directly, but it's just the growth of the game and the, the popularity uh, it that just, I'm happy to see. It just means we're stepping in the right direction, which, like I said, I'm very grateful for all the positives that we have in poker. And, um, you know, and when you have people writing like Patrick trying to improve the game, 
to get it away from some of those people who who we have labeled as Hollywooding uh, the the situation. You know, I'm grateful. Here's another thing I'm very grateful, of, Dave. Down here in South Florida, we have a thriving poker industry down here. Absolutely. And and it has become a thanks to the Hard Rock, it has become a destination spot for big tournaments. So, if you love poker. This is one of the best places to be in the country is right here in South Florida, and I'm very proud that I've been involved in all my years I've been down here involved in poker. Right. Uh, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but certainly looking forward to uh, um, the Supreme Court undertaking uh, the big case that's going to affect sports gambling the first week in December. I think it's December 4th, uh, whether they wipe out PASPA, which is the... uh, the law that was made many years ago that kind of uh, keep sports gambling from uh, proliferating around the country. Uh, the thing to me is not whether you want to go out and bet on a football game uh, because people are doing it, uh, every, you know, the $150 billion or something like that. I don't know exactly. I could have that number wrong, but uh, the amount of betting is just incredible. And it's all going in underground to uh, people with illegal business. So they're not sticking sort of their thing. head in the sand anymore? They're yeah. going to come out, you know, just well, like they did rule. with Prohibition, where and nobody was drinking during Prohibition. And, right? I, and I read it today, and it's really not the merits of whether sports gambling is right or wrong and whether it will affect uh, the competitive balance in the in the leagues or in college uh the point is it's is going to be whether it's uh you know states rights and uh if the states are going to decide what's right for their uh, constituency and that's uh, kind of the uh case that represents that in the Supreme court so we'll see what's going to happen but it will have a huge effect on um Places uh, that we like to go, Vegas and, and places like that down here in South Florida could take off with uh, the state of Florida head sports gambling. It's pretty incredible what it could do. Um, you know, obviously there is some downsides to it, and I'm not uh, looking past that, but I think... Uh, and they're, know, they're only going to address sports gambling? Well, it's the PASPA, yeah. Yeah, So, but, but my guess is if, if this is repealed and they allow the state to do this, don't you think it'll be so much easier to bring online poker oh, sure, back, uh, sure. to all the states? Have a now? huge effect on that for sure. Uh, certainly looking forward to that. Oh, one last thing I want to mention: uh, um, thankful to the Isle Casino, and uh, a lot of people may not appreciate this, but uh, their move over the last couple of years for people like me that that don't want to go out and spend three or four hundred dollars on a tournament—that's a lot of money to me. And uh, to add uh, some smaller uh, tournaments to some of their big series, a $60 buy-in, $70 buy-ins. Not that I take advantage of that on a regular basis, but it is out there and allows people that are learning the game to get involved in the game. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and Stan Strickland was a man to, to you know, true to his word because that's that was his 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 thing that he mentioned when he took over for uh, Mike Smith's uh, absolutely tutelage there. So uh, my cousin loves it. He loves playing in tournaments there on his days off. Plays in a lot of them. Has had some success, and uh, I'm glad that's happy because you live pretty close to there. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Gio, thank you, and we wish you and your family a, a, a tremendously happy Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And Enjoy all, the football. To all our listeners, the same thing. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving. You'll have a great time with your family. And, Joe, thank you as well for everything you do for the show, and uh, we will be back next week. There's our gobbler. <laughs> we will uh, enjoy some football tomorrow and uh, time with friends. Uh, looking forward to it. We hope you're back with us next week. Uh, working on a few things, and we'll uh, let you know next week. 
what's happening with our interview with Quee Win. We should have some information about that as well. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.